What's up, people? Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Uh, hey, so, uh, man, speaking of, of worship, thank you so much to Andre and Julia for filling in for Angelina, who was filling in for Mark. So it was, that, was, uh, that was some quick moving, everybody, and, uh, and just beautiful, so wonderful to be led by you guys this morning. So thank you so much for that. Uh, hey, um, I want to, uh, I want to throw a little piece of news about something that's going on with me that I'd love for your prayer in and just to share the joy with you too. So I've taken on a new side role with our denomination. I've been, been doing some side work with them for a few years now, uh, in the area of supporting our pastors in their spiritual health and vitality and calling. It's mostly teaching seminars and leading some retreats and stuff. And so uh, they asked this year if we could kind of make it official. Uh, so, um, so I'm part-time with them now and have like a fancy title and stuff, doing some things with pastors. Uh, I'm still full-time here. That hasn't changed. Uh, but I'm pulling away from some of my work at the seminary and, uh, and coaching church planners and stuff to make more space for this. But uh, anyway, I wanted to share the joy and just ask for your prayers in this as well. It's, it's an area that um, I just have a lot of passion for. Uh, been, been a pastor now for a, for a hot minute. Actually, this year will make 30 years for me. And I've uh, seen, a, seen a, a lot of carnage along the way. I, it can be a rough road for a lot of pastors. So it's, it's a joy and a privilege for me to get to come alongside in some way. So, um, so thank you in advance for your prayers for me in that. And speaking of our spiritual health and growth, so we are doing this new series during Lent that we're calling How to Grow, right? This is spiritual disciplines for ordinary people, ordinary people being like you and I, as opposed to monks and people who, you know, that's their day job is just to grow in their faith. Um, last week, we started off and we, we went through this concept of a rule of life. It's a very ancient practice of kind of organizing and thinking about what are the practices that I engage in to grow in Christ. And if if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back to it. It gives kind of some context for what we're doing in the weeks to come. Uh, But today and in the weeks to come up to Easter, we're just looking at, at different spiritual disciplines. What are some of the critical spiritual disciplines for you and I to engage in if we are going to continue to grow in our relationship with Christ. Uh, now, what is a spiritual discipline? Probably should have brought this up last week, but we'll do it today. What is a spiritual discipline? A spiritual discipline is any practice that brings you into the presence of Jesus for the purpose of becoming like him. Any practice. There are a lot of these, right? Some are going to be kind of apparent to us, things like prayer and reading the scriptures and gathering together to worship. These are spiritual disciplines. But in reality, there's a a large, large number of these that you find in scripture and in the history of the church of different ways to engage with Jesus for the purpose of his transforming work in us. And, And remember, friends, that is the goal. The goal of the spiritual life, what spiritual growth actually is, is us becoming people who look and act and feel and relate and respond the way that Jesus does. We want, and God wants, for our inner character to become like the inner character of Jesus. That is what we are pursuing in our faith. Uh, This happens 
as we get close to Jesus and he rubs off on us. So C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, if you want to get warm, you must stand next to the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. We grow as we attach ourselves to Jesus, as we abide in the vine, as we are near him and his life is permeating ours. And that's what this series is. Uh, today and in the weeks to come, we're, we're looking at how to do that, some different methods for us to come into his presence for that purpose. So we're starting today with the spiritual discipline of Sabbath keeping. Here's where we're going. Uh, I want us to look at a couple scriptures. We'll see how the spiritual discipline is thought about by Jesus and practiced by Jesus, and then consider how you and I might practice it today as well, okay? Sound good? Let's pray. We'll look at the scriptures together. Heavenly Father, we want what you want for us. We want to be people whose lives are characterized by love and peace and joy. We want to be people who experience your power in our lives and our power working through us in this world around us that you love. We want to be people who are becoming like our rabbi, like Jesus. And so, God, we pray that you would strengthen us for this. We pray that you would give us a vision for this. God, we pray that you would be doing your work in us and cause us just to be faithful and leaning into you. As we worship together this morning uh, in song and prayer and sacrament and word, we pray, God, that you might be present and you might be doing that work in us even today. We open ourselves to that. We surrender ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen. So Sabbath keeping. Here's how we might think about it. So Sabbath is a day set aside for worship and rest. Or as Eugene Peterson, the translator of the Message Bible you might be familiar with, the way that he puts it is it is a day to pray and play in the presence of God. A day to pray and play. I love that shorthand. It captures so much of the Bible's teaching about what Sabbath is. So I I want to read a pair of scriptures for us here from the life of Jesus. And they, they just give us a little window into what Jesus did and how he thought about Sabbath. So the first one is Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It reads, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Second verse. This is from Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
Now, two things that I want us to see here as we're looking at the life of Jesus and how he thought and taught and lived Sabbath. So one is that it was Jesus' regular practice, his custom, to keep Sabbath. And two, Jesus apparently thought that Sabbath was supposed to be life-giving, not to be a burden. So back to Luke's gospel here. So Luke tells us that it was his custom, it was Jesus' regular practice to go to the synagogue with his disciples on the Sabbath and to worship. Now, what does this mean? What does this look like for Jesus? Uh, for, For good Jews like Jesus and his followers, there's a whole body of Old Testament laws around this, and they're actually super fascinating. If you want to be really nerdy this week and like Google this up or look in the back of your Bible, the concordance, and look at some of these. They're actually really, really instructive. Uh, But it it meant, among other things, a total rest from work and then also taking time to worship. It's probably best summed up. We'll look at just one from the Old Testament. But in, in the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments there is to keep the Sabbath. This is from the Exodus version of the Big Ten. It reads like this. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sabbath, that's a Hebrew word. Sabbath just means stop. It is a stopping to the Lord your God. On it, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. In other words, you are going to stop working, and you can't make other people do your work for you that day either. This is a stop. It's, you're just going to put it to rest. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see here that the Sabbath is a day when you do no work when you're totally unproductive. Now, if you are like the original hearers of this, you live in an agrarian society, that's pretty scary, right? Because the the crops need to be planted and the crops need to be harvested and there's a timetable on this. And if you don't work, you don't eat. So there's an element of trust in this for them. And and in fact, can I tell you, this is, if, if you're wanting to develop more trust in your life, more trust in who God is and his provision for us. The, the great spiritual masters of the centuries will tell you that, that keeping Sabbath is one of the best ways to develop that. Because there's something a little scary to us about Sabbath too. Right? And depending on what you do and how this shakes out, there's a, a, a bit of trust that's in this as well. Right? I, I have to produce or I'm going to get fired, right? I've, I've got to make things happen, or, or I won't advance. Somebody else is going to get that promotion. Or if you own your own business, or you're an hourly work, or whatever it is, it's like, hey, if, if I don't work, I don't get paid. There is an element of trust in this. And if, if we're being really, really honest, we'd have to admit there's, in most of us, there's another component, too where if we aren't producing, if we aren't doing, if we aren't active, sometimes we kind of take a hit to our self-worth. We don't quite know who we are if we aren't defining ourselves by what we do. 
And so Sabbath, Sabbath, it kind of messes with you on a few different levels. But it, it's a good messing. God is wanting to do something in us. And so from the start, he has said, this is one of the things I want you to do. I want you to keep Sabbath. This is a core spiritual discipline. And I would suggest that in a busy, busy, busy world like ours as 21st century Angelinos, we need this. This is one of the most under-practiced spiritual disciplines and one of the most needed for people in our culture. Now, note here also, it says that this, this is a Sabbath. You are taking a Sabbath unto the Lord your God. God is part of this. So it's, it's not just taking a day off to eat chips and watch Netflix. As glorious as that might be, I support that. But that's not the totality of what we have here. This is rest and worship, pray and play in the presence of God. The, the pray, that is part of worship. The play, the rest, is just as much part of worship. We'll, we'll come back to that. It's all, it is all connected. But for Jesus, we see in Luke's gospel that part of his Sabbath was going to the synagogue. They would go to the synagogue, they would sing the songs, they would pray the prayers, they would hear the scriptures read, they would hear the scriptures taught. They would do much of what we do on a Sunday when we come together and we worship. This is a crucial part of how Jesus walked with the Father, of how he remained spiritually strong to live out a call upon his life, even as the Son of God. Right? This, we could say, this is the, the pray part of pray and play. It's worship. Now, second, we see in Jesus the Sabbath was meant to bring life. And this is one, but there are a number of occasions where Jesus comes under severe criticism for how he practices Sabbath. Right? Several of these had to do with healing. Jesus would heal somebody, and he does it on the Sabbath day, and the religious leaders are like, what are you doing? That looks an awful lot like work. You can't do that on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is like, really? It's like, come on. If your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, do you wait until the next day to pull the sheep out? No. Maybe if somebody is suffering in our presence, we can relieve that and feel good that God is in that. Right? Or he says, if, if your donkey is thirsty on the Sabbath, don't you untie it and take it over to the water trough for a drink? How much more should we as God's people be untied on the Sabbath day, right? He, he's saying to them, in essence, you're, you're looking at me saying, I'm not keeping Sabbath. I'm telling you, you're keeping it wrong. Sabbath is meant for something different. And, and in the, uh, the instance that we're looking at here in Mark's gospel, I love this one in particular for some reason. I'm not sure. But uh, one, of, one of the laws around Sabbath is you're not supposed to do any farming on the Sabbath. And so the disciples, they're walking through grain fields and they're picking, they're picking pieces of grain and they're eating them as they go. And the Pharisees are like, hey, 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 stop farming. <laughs> and Jesus is like, really? Come on. If there is a difference between if you're walking down the road and there's an apple tree and you pick an apple and you start to eat it, that's different than hauling out the oxen and attaching the yoke to them and plowing the field. And here is statement here, because this, this is so instructive. Jesus sums up what he is saying here with this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
In other words, he says it's not like God created Sabbath and then he was like, gosh, this was a terrific idea. I should create some humans so I have somebody to obey this law because this law is gold. Right? He's just like, no, no, no. You have this completely backwards. God created people. And then he created Sabbath to keep people. Not people to keep Sabbath. He created Sabbath to keep people. To keep us from falling into patterns and habits of deep unhealth. To keep us walking in the rhythms of the universe. That's part of that Exodus passage too, right? It says the universe is wired this way. There is a pattern. There is a rhythm to work and worship and rest and play. And if we we don't have the Sabbath in there, we get out of whack. We fall out of pattern with how we're made to exist, how we are made to function in the world. Uh, Let me ask. Do you think there's a chance that as a society that we are out of balance when it comes to healthy patterns of work and rest and play and worship? Maybe it's a smush. We don't do this well. We don't do this well. There is a pretty substantial body of research that indicates that our lack of rest carries serious health consequences with it. Failing to rest after six days of steady work will lead to insomnia, hormonal imbalances, fatigue, irritability, organ stress, and other symptoms, both physical and mental. Right? The NIH a few years ago coined a new term for us, hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. The whole panoply of ailments that come from overwork and lack of rest. From not observing the sort of rhythms that we're made for and that God in his grace and his love calls us to make a part of our lives. Uh, it's interesting in, in Japan... Uh, They are trying, and it's actually a struggle, but they are are trying to mandate that workers have at least five vacations days, or actually take five vacation days each year. Most of them have the days, but nobody takes them. Culturally, it's sort of frowned upon to do that. And Japan has a, a reputation for being one of the most overworked countries in the world. They actually coined a term for this in the 90s, uh, karoshi which is the term that is used for death by overwork. Uh, it's, it's such a, a known thing. So many Japanese professionals were dying of heart attacks and strokes that they actually made a new word to describe this. And they have a tremendous problem with suicide in Japan as well. Uh, the last year that, that I was looking at this, they had 30,000 suicides And they believe that fully one-third of those were directly related to overwork. We're out of balance, friends. Uh, This is is from a pastor named Wayne Mueller. And he puts this so well. Listen to how he, he, he puts this. He says, when we live without listening to the timing of things, when we live and work in 24 hour shifts without rest, we are on wartime, mobilized for battle. Yes, we are strong and capable people. We can work without stopping faster and faster 
Electric lights making artificial day so the whole machine can labor without ceasing. But remember, no living thing lives like this. There are greater rhythms, seasons, and hormonal cycles, and sunsets, and moonrises, and great movements of seas and stars. We are part of the creation story, subject to all its laws and rhythms. To surrender to the rhythms of seasons and flowerings and dormancies is to savor the secret of life itself. Many scientists believe we are hardwired like this, to live in rhythmic awareness, to be in and then step out, to be engrossed and then detached, to work and then to rest. It follows then that the commandment to remember the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity. You ought, you better, you must. But rather, a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are, the rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. Friends, understand, Jesus calls us to keep Sabbath. Not because he's mean, but because he loves us. And he wants us to flourish. We need this, friends. We need to live into this. Um, my own journey, and some of you, some of you know this, but uh, so I, I started practicing Sabbath when I was in seminary, and um, I was, you know, a three-quarter time grad student, and I was three-quarter time pastor, junior, junior, junior at the church that I was serving at that time, and. Uh, I was painfully busy. Uh, I remember reading at stoplights, you know, because I'm just trying to, like, cram it all in somehow, right? And uh, in the midst of this, I had a really good boss slash mentor who, who really challenged me and was, was like, when do you take your Sabbath? And I was like, well, you know, I had no answer. I, it was nowhere even on the radar. And he, he says, you got to start doing this. You need to take a day where you're not doing anything. And when you're a pastor, this looks a, a little different, right? Sunday isn't your Sabbath when you're a pastor because, you know, it's a work day that typically starts very early and who knows when it's going to end and all that. So that's, that's a work day. You choose another day. So for me, it was Friday uh, and has remained Friday through the years up till the present day. But, um, but this mentor of mine, Chuck was his name. He is terrific. Like he would, he'd come in and he'd see me in the office. He'd be like, how many hours have you worked this week? And I'm like, uh, you know, I have no idea. He's like, get out. Get out. I'm throwing you out. You're done. I'm like, I can't. I've got to finish the thing. And there's a Bible study. And there's the this. And he's like, mm, I don't care. Go home. Watch the X-Files. Go. It was the 90s. So it's <laughs> like, get out. So, you know, and he's, he's pushing me in this. And I, finally, I was like, okay, this seems insane. How am I possibly, when I'm this overworked, how am I going to cram one-seventh more into the other six days so I can rest one day a week. And it, it, it might sound just really silly, but it was a really big step of faith for me. But I, I tell you what, it took a little while to adjust, but it changed my life. Like, I found I was a much better human, much better to be around than the other version of me. I found that there was space being created in me where God could actually talk to me about stuff, right? You know how we all want God to speak to us? Sometimes we don't hear him because we're just so dang busy. 
We don't even slow down enough to create space for that. Uh, I found, too, like, this was amazing to me. I actually became more productive. I found I was getting more done in six days than I was in seven days when I was running around with my hair on fire all the time. I had hair, too. It was the 90s. (laughs) It was the 90s. A lot was different. Uh, You you getting the feel for this, friends? All right, so again for Jesus. It is very Jedi. Thank you, Josh. For Jesus, this was his regular practice to rest and spend time in worship. Uh, And it was his practice to do this in a way that reflected the joy and the lack of burdensomeness that the Father intends for us in this. So uh, what does this look like for you and I? What does it look like for ordinary people to Sabbath well? Right? We aren't monks. We all are learning to live in the way of Jesus while having jobs and raising kids and keeping appointments and buying groceries and finding time to get the car's oil changed, right? That's our lives. How do we practice spiritual disciplines in our real, actual lives? For Sabbath keeping, I want to throw out a a few suggestions, some things that have been helpful for me and I've seen as helpful through the years uh, with, uh, with folks in this and other churches. So, again, pray and play. Here's a suggestion number one is schedule it. Schedule your Sabbath. Go to your calendar and put a great big X on Sunday, right? Or your Google calendar. X out that day on your Google calendar, whatever the, the case might be, right? And I know you're like, I know when Sunday happens, right? I don't actually have to mark it on the calendar, uh, but um, this is, it's kind of a simple hack. Maybe this one works for you, maybe it doesn't, but I've seen it be really helpful for a lot of people. Block out your Sabbath. Uh, Because for most of us, if there's open space on your calendar, you fill it. If it's open, that means that I'm not doing anything and, you know, God forbid that I not be amused or entertained for an hour or so. So I've got to fill up every little space with something. Make a decision to fill up Sabbath space with Sabbath. Write it down. Mark it as something that you are going to do. And then after you've blocked out that time, only say yes to things in that time that will bring you life. Don't put any work in there and only put in things that will bring you life. So uh, I don't know what that looks like for you. It might be that, that on Sundays you try to schedule dinner with friends. Spend some time with people that you care about. And you do that in the presence of God. That's worship. Right? This counts. This is, part of, this is part of how we need to think about Sabbath. Your rest, your play, is part of how you worship. So maybe it looks like dinner with friends. Or maybe you like to take a walk with your spouse on the day. Or you go for a bike ride with the kids. Or maybe you take a nap. This too is spiritual. Maybe you read a book. Right? Maybe this will sound like a silly little practice, but we've been doing this for years and years and years with the girls. Is Sunday nights... Uh, we all kind of come back together in the early evening around dinner time from whatever it is we're doing and watch America's Funniest Videos. And in the presence of God, we laugh at other people getting hurt. (laughs) 
And it's, it's just part of, our, it's part of pray and play for us. Yes? Schedule it. Make it a point. Actually write it down. Don't fill up the space with things that don't bring you rest, with things that don't bring you life. Uh, if you've got young kids, uh, this can be especially difficult. I, uh, I, I feel your eyes on me right now, parents of young children. Um, often, for parents of young kids, it means a lot of trading off. Right? Rest is hard to come by when your kids are little. Um, so it, it means a lot of trading. One of the things that Samantha and I started doing when our kids were little was... Um, uh, so Sam enjoys cooking for the family... Uh, but she needs a break from that too. So like Monday through Thursday, she would cook. Friday and Saturday, I cook. Sundays, it's every man for themselves. Sundays is a different story <laughs> in our house. And they're at an age where we can pull that off. But, um, but I'll cook Friday and Saturday. And that, that's a bit of Sabbath for her in that particular area of life. And vice versa. Monday through Thursday, it's difficult for me to cook. So she's the one. So it makes sense. But there's ways to start to divide things up. That's one. Let's schedule it. Number two, prioritize worship. So this is, as we're seeing in Exodus, this is the Lord's day. This is a practice that we take unto the Lord. And as simple as this sounds, prioritize church. Don't think of it as something that's optional, uh, but make it something that is, is built in. It's normal. Uh, maybe think of it this way. Compare it maybe uh, to going to the gym. Right? If you only go to the gym you know, once a month or once every few months or just when you feel like it, right? Is, is it going to make a big difference in your health and your fitness, right? Now, don't get me wrong. Something is better than nothing. And that's, that is true in our spiritual lives too. But uh, we all know that the impact is going to be limited if we're that sporadic in our attention to our health. And the same is true in our spiritual health. If we are sporadic, if it's a when I feel like it sort of thing, we're going to have a very limited impact from that. So prioritize it. Make it something that we are committed to as a people and something that we lean into as we are here. Third thing. Third is find, find a do not disturb mode. And what I mean by this is identify and eliminate those things that suck you back into work. Right? So for me... The biggest culprit in this by far is email, right? If I open my inbox, it's over. I can't not work once I see that there are things in the inbox. And this will surprise none of you. There are always things in the inbox, <laughs> right? I'll, this is one of the things that I, I say to pastor groups. I say, I've, I've been a church planner now for 20 years, and I can count on my fingers, and there's only nine of them. I can count on my fingers... <laughs> The number of times that I have crossed everything off of my to-do list, right? You have to get used to this idea that you don't, you don't just rest when everything is done. You rest because God calls us to rest on the regular, right? You build it into life. And if we're going to do that, we, we have to get rid of those things that are going to suck us back into work, right? A few years ago, I, I discovered, I should have discovered a lot earlier than this, but I finally realized I need to take the notifications off of my phone on my Sabbath, right? Because if the phone keeps blowing up, I, I'm going to keep attending to it. And I'm not actually going to be able to successfully pull away, 
So, you know, do not disturb mode. Push that little button on the phone. And more than that, I try to kind of push it in life, right? All the areas uh, to, to say, okay, I'm going to take a step back and eliminate those things that suck me back into work mode. I try to actually take a day where I'm resting in the presence of God, and that is my act of worship. One more is to cultivate joy. Now, remember here how Jesus regarded the Sabbath, that it's, it's not meant to be burdensome, right? You may feel some pressure. Not working can be very challenging for us. Being unproductive can feel like laziness, and, you know, all, all this stuff churns in us, right? So uh, it can be difficult, but it's not supposed to be a burden. Sabbath is meant to be greeted with joy. And in, in the kind of best elements of, of Jewish thought, Sabbath is all about laughter, about dancing, about singing. It is greeted with joy, eating and drinking. Uh, pray and play. We're thinking here about the play. Cultivate joy. So ask yourself the question, what helps you rest? What helps you recover? What restores your joy? Doing those things is part of how we worship God. Uh, Many of the rabbis taught that on Sabbath, you don't fast, right? I mean, you can if you want. This isn't like a biblical rule. But they said, that's not the day for fasting. On Sabbath, that's, that's the day we should be feasting. We are celebrating God's goodness to us. We are celebrating that we are a free people. We are celebrating that we are not slaves to our work. We are celebrating that we are sons and not servants. We are celebrating that God is who he is. So sprinkle a little joy on the day. Some, some of the rabbis, um, am I going over the line here? I'm not sure. Some of the rabbis, they would, they would give out rabbinical Brownie points to married couples for having sex on the Sabbath day. Some of you think it's not good to be religious, but (laughs) this is to be a day of joy. We see this even in Lent, and I know uh, in our church, uh, some of us during Lent will uh, will fast from this or that during Lent. But in, in classic Lenten tradition, Sundays you feast, right? Sundays you stop your fast which I remember trying to explain this to my family one year, and they were, they were so not having it, right? It's, it's Sunday. I was fasting from sugar that year. Man, was that a mistake. But <laughs> I'm fasting from sugar, and, and it's Sunday, and I'm sitting there eating a wonderful slice of lemon ring pie, and the family is like, you are so cheating. And I was like, no, through mouthfuls of lemon ring, I'm doing it right. <laughs> It's the rest of you that have this wrong. Now, you've you got to think about, okay, what brings me joy? Because for some people, like, what constitutes work is different than, than what it is for some others, right? So, like, for Samantha, working in the garden, man, that is one of her best ways to decompress, to find her joy. That is a great Sabbath day activity. For me... Mowing the lawn, my equivalent to that, is not at all restful. So I do all I can to push that away from the Sabbath. I'll get to that on Saturday, as well as like fixing that little project, right? 
Some of you unwind beautifully by fixing things around the house. I find that to be toilsome labor, a la the fall, Genesis 3. That is, that's what's in the background there, is fixing things and all those multiple trips to Home Depot. But that's me. For you, it, it might be really relaxing to do that. Um, you know, my, my brother Doug, uh, he likes to play golf on the Sabbath, right? Um, it's really refreshing for him. I, on the other hand, I know that golf is actually a tool of the devil designed to get me to use profanity. <laughs> but Doug thinks otherwise. So, you know, I'm praying for him in that. I, I think that, that taking a run on the Sabbath is a wonderful way to connect with God. Doug knows that you really should only run if someone's chasing you. So he's praying for me in that. But, uh, but think about, for you, what brings you joy? What brings Here's one for me. I, I mentioned that um, Fridays and Saturdays, so typically I'm, I'm cooking those nights. So in the spirit of the joy of Sabbath, usually Friday nights, like I'll make something good, right? I love, I love to, to slow cook a tri-tip on Friday and enjoy that with the family and open up a, maybe a little nicer bottle of wine than I do during the rest of the week, right? This is a day to celebrate the goodness of God. This is a small way that Sabbath makes, it, makes its way into my life. Is this making sense? Are you getting kind of a feel for this as we go? And by the way, so can you see how the spiritual discipline hits all of our buckets, right? From last week, we were talking about uh, God meeting us in the physical and the emotional and the spiritual, the relational. Can you see how all of these end up getting hit there? Rest for our bodies, right? An emotional reset, for us to come down off of the high of the adrenaline of the week and just allow ourselves to be still. The spiritual, creating space where we're able to just be with God. The relational, bringing into this as appropriate people that we love, people that give us life, right? It's, it checks all the boxes. This is, this is such an important discipline for us, friends. And how to grow. How to grow. That's our topic this month. And this is practice number one. You want to grow spiritually. Uh, Begin practicing the spiritual discipline of pray and play in God's presence. Let's pray together.